The Spanish announce table. And we're back yet again. It's like we almost never left. Uh, fun fact for those of you, and we don't fact check, so good luck proving this or not. Uh, we actually just sit and wait in our studios until it's time to go live again uh, with the Spanish announce table. So we actually don't leave. We're just here since last week. Yeah, we just have a television on. Uh, it either plays uh, old episodes of Dynamite or the WWE Network. And then on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, occasionally Saturdays, and also Sundays, uh, we will watch the live content. And then we turn on the microphone. So here we are mm-hmm. again. Occasionally, it'll show uh, the movie No Holds Barred. Yes. I mean, there is a sprinkle of um, outside entertainment than your Ready one true rumble, source. I yeah. Think, Other than your one true source of pro wrestling. Uh, the God's honest truth of greatest entertainment on green on this green earth. Uh, we will sprinkle in the occasional uh, outside entertainment, like a no holds barred, like a ready to rumble, like a like a Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, but that was more like a like we just felt that one. You know what I mean? Like you just knew it. I still feel it. Oh, I feel it every day. Hey. Oh, you could feel it right now. Anyway, never mind. Hey, you know what? Before we get into our recap, uh, and you can answer this later on in the podcast, but uh, the the trend on Twitter this week or maybe this month is describe your favorite fill-in-the-blank the most boring way possible. So like, uh, describe your favorite movie as boring as possible, right? So my challenge to you, the listener, and also to you, Tim, and Tim, you can answer this now or later, uh, is describe your favorite wrestling moment as boring as possible. Uh, yeah, let me marinate on that one. Yeah, mine would be um, a man beats up his boss. Yeah. And you know what I'm actually talking about? Here. What's no, no, that? no. Uh former best friends. How would I describe this? Oh man. So it's Hulk Hogan beating Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 19. But the way I said it made it seem like it was stone cold, Steve Austin. Yeah. That's what I thought. Right. So let me try to think of that a different way. Oh, uh, two senior citizens get into a fist fight over respect. Actually still sounds pretty cool. I'd watch that now. Yeah, right. <laughs> sounds like a good episode of Bum Fights. Yeah, Bum Fights, man. I always thought I'd get on there. You, you always thought that was going to be the highlight, right? Well, because I would fight people uh, in backyards and stuff because that was when Kimbo Slice was coming up. And so I was like, all right, I guess this is how you get popular. So I'd fight uh, some people uh, in the backyard, and I thought one of these times I'm going to well, think that the- – I, uh, I'm going to fight like a friend and it's going to be a bum and I'm going to get on bum fights. Well, the, the ladies had girls gone wild and the fellas had bum fights, right? You had one path to success and you just ran with it. Peak level of society for both men and women. Uh-huh. Yeah. The whole Springer bum fights, all that right then, right there. Just that was, we, we were never going to get any better than that. Yeah. When Tom Green is at, when when Tom Green was at his highest, that's when we were at our best. Would you take a Tom Green presidency right now if you could swap? Oh God, yeah, I'd take a fucking yeah. decaying fruit over what we have right now. 
Uh, we, do we have a decaying fruit, but you know what I'm saying? I'd take an actual decaying fruit uh, over what we have right now. Uh, I would take a dead plant over what we have right now. It would. Ha- I mean, that's essentially what we have. Yeah, I mean, uh, that dead plant has a more forward-thinking plan on how to cure some of the uh, ailments of today than what we currently have. Anyhow, now, like, now let's get pot. Let's not get pot political here. Like, got all so yeah. I got so upset we were I can't about even bum sp- fights, not bums. Right? Yeah. yeah, I got so upset I can't even talk straight. Uh, Tim, how are you? Let's get into some real stuff. How are you? Tell me your feelings. I'm well. I'm well. How are you, man? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here. You know, we had some wrestling. That's always a good thing, right? Uh, families uh, alive and well. So I'm good. What's up with you? I am well as well. Uh, just going down a little memory lane. Some of those Facebook memories or time hop, whatever your uh, app of choice is, uh, has really um, made me reminisce on some of the fun things uh, that I used to do, like run a clothing store. Uh, called In the Cage inside of a, a shopping center in Independence, Missouri. You know, so it's like, and that was actually in a cage, right? Yeah. So we had an octagon cage, obviously with no mat, but we put it in uh, in the middle of as as like a kiosk, but obviously it was a cage, um, and hung the shirts on the uh, on the. Uh, That's a great idea. Cage and stuff. Yeah, it was great. I liked it. The only thing that really stopped us from growing is. Uh, the minimum purchase orders of these clothing lines like the tap out or uh, American fighter or whatever it was, was just becoming so big that, I, that our budget, cause it was just a three person shop was like, well, if we bought that, that would be the whole store. Like it's not, you know, we need to, we just want one or two of these items, but your minimum purchase order is a thousand dollars. So that's going to be, yeah. You needed to have these in like malls all across America. Yeah. For, be, for that yeah. kind yeah, we needed at least, two locations if we were going to do the minimum purchase order for that and so then we were just like ah we got other interests but it was fun it was very fun for a quick moment in the sun um but yeah so i've been just reminiscing uh thinking back to to that and then uh you know this monumental fight coming up this weekend on fight island which isn't a real thing because they've already been there twice and it was just abu dhabi but anyhow uh made me think about uh, doing my MMA show. That's how we met, Tim. Me and you met because you were the producer of my radio show that I co-hosted with another yeah. person. So I remember the guy, uh, you know, who was kind of he had was showing me the ropes there. I just come off an intern, was working there, and he's like, "Hey, hey, 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 you got to, you need to pick up some hours or something." And I'm like, uh, "Why?" And you know, you kind of tell us like, "Hey, this is something I don't want to do." And I was like, "What do you got?" And he's like. Well, you need to board off something. And this was, you know, I wasn't doing like hardly anything in radio. I was like, okay, cool. This is like actual radio stuff, right? And he was like, and he's like, it's an MMA show? And he was like, you into that? And I was like, meh, no. You know, I was like, nah, I don't like dislike it. And he was like, oh, he's like, well, one guy's a wrestling fan. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll give yeah. it a shot. Yeah. And, and here we are. And the rest is history, as they say. Hey, uh, so you know what else was some history? Uh, we finally had two weeks worth of one event from both NXT and AEW. Yeah. Ah, you like that transition? With two events in as many weeks. Yes. Uh, it was uh, week two of both AEW's Fighter Fest and NXT's Great American Bash. So, Tim, now that you had the full event to digest, both week one and week two, uh, what is your feelings about the 
head-to-head battle on Wednesday night. Fighter Fest is way better. Like week two, Great American Bash came up lame. If you ask me, yeah, I felt like Great American Bash was very rushed, and you know, even there were some accounts that people were taking pictures to where you could see the WWE logo underneath the NXT logo they just slapped on some of the banners, and. It it just felt like NXT, but hey, there's some cool cars next to uh, the entrance. Fighter Fest, although it kind of also had the same feel as well, this is just dynamite. Except for now, you have girls in bikinis, uh, you know, on each side of the ring. Uh, it had storylines that led to a to a uh, culmination. You know, best friends. And Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega that led to Fighter Fest, where yeah. NXT it well, was just like, hey, it's well, on yeah, a Great American hey, Bash. It, it would be great if that's something you guys wanted to do on the Fourth of July weekend, or, you know, or whatever that Wednesday. You know what I mean? That the Fourth of July falls, you know, that week or whatever, mm-hmm. and you make it the Great American Bash. I get it because you know, for anybody. Uh, outside the country that's listening the fourth of july is our independence day so that's when we uh in our nation uh risk life limb and eyesight to possibly set the nation on fire right indeed so, uh you go right you go get all the fireworks and the, and the hot dogs and the right and just set everything on fire as many things you can put on fire you do it because of america and um so but that would make sense right great american mash but that's not what happened here it was like what they're doing a thing we're gonna do a thing do a thing yeah, I agree. Uh, we obviously recapped uh, Fighter Fest Night 1 as we did our picks. Um, we can do Night 2 here in just a second. Uh, I will say this, though. Even though AEW had way more storylines that led to Fighter Fest, where Great American Bash was just matches that happened to take place at an event we're going to call the Great American Bash, I do do feel like after both weeks, the biggest moment still belongs to uh, NXT with the winner-takes-all match between Adam Cole and Keith Lee. And we can get into that a little bit later. But even though it was a last-minute thrown-together event, I feel like the landing uh, was a little bit better for NXT than AEW. And that also... You know, AEW had their champion, John Moxley, have to self-quarantine because of the virus. So who knows what they had planned for the finale of Fighter Fest. But uh, with Keith Lee and Adam Cole being able to stay healthy throughout this process, I think that was the biggest moment of both weeks. I agree with that. I agree with that. So why don't we, uh, you want to start breaking it down? Or yeah, what? let's get into Fighter Fest. Again, we, we enjoy the, the rivalry between AEW and NXT, but for any new listeners, we do skew a little bit more towards AEW. Uh, we make our picks on AEW events because they're a little bit few and far between, although this is um, a televised event and not necessarily a pay-per-view. They do one every week. Yeah. They, they do a half of one every week. Yeah, now they're going to do next week Fight for the Fallen where we will get that title match. Uh, but So we make picks, and so that's why we're going to recap Fighter Fest and then just touch on hey, the highlights man. of Great American Bash. They're averaging two events in three weeks. What's that? They're averaging two events every three weeks. Yeah. I mean, they're almost getting to the WWE pace. Um, Cody said they were going to put on a hell of a pace. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe we were wrong in saying we'll just do the AEW stuff. Uh, looks like they may be following suit with WWE. But uh, one caveat I do want to give is we are doing picks for these special events. 
Uh, however, we're only going to add stakes to the actual pay-per-view events. Now, obviously, cable you have to pay for, but you understand what I mean. A pay-per-view event, a special event on a Saturday night that AEW does, that will be where we make picks and then actually have stakes attached to it. So clarification note as we move forward. But yeah, let's get started on... Uh, That's when Tom will have to do something you know, uh, for losing. I hope not. I hope it's you next time because that uh, hot sauce, that, that hurt my butthole. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we kicked off week two of Fighter Fest with a tag team title match. It was the champions, Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega taking on Private Party with Matt Hardy. Obviously, both teams were successful in week one. Uh, the number one contenders out of the match with um, Private Party and um, Santana Ortiz was Private Party. And then the champions retained, so we get this match this week to kick off week two. Uh, what did you think of this uh, tag team title match to start the show? Match is good, right? I mean, you know, I thought it was a good energetic way to kick up the, the, the show, right? You got some folks everybody wants to see in Omega and Page, and then Private Party is going to give you all that whip. Zoom bang, right? Mm-hmm. And then Matt Hardy's going to be weird. So, yeah, now, know, off now, to a great start. Yeah, now we got mentor Matt Hardy, which is a little bit different for us to see. Uh, I thought it was okay. A different kind of weird. Yeah, different kind of weird. You know, that kind of, hey, why are you touching my thigh? Anyhow, um, I thought that. Oh, he's like an Olympics coach. Guy, yeah, like a gymnast coach. Yeah, right? a gymnast yeah. coach. Um, I thought that this match was really good for it just to open the show, right? If you just take it in the context of, hey, what are we going to do to kick off this week of Dynamite Special Event Fighter Fest, right? Putting Private Party versus uh, the Tag Champs and Hangman and Omega, uh, I think that's great. However, I felt like it was a little hollow, and this is why. The, the in-ring action aside, you had this whole... Uh, event week one where best friends were becoming the number one contenders and picking up victories and you know this full steam uh, of momentum and you know man they might overtake the champions right that led to the week one and then in week one we just got this kind of throwaway match that didn't have really any story behind it and it's like well they're going to be number one contenders so like that's just what we're going to do. We're going to have them be the number one contenders in private. Yeah, it was party. a little backwards. Yeah, so it felt like, well, wait a minute. You invested all that time and tell us about how best friends become the number one contender, and then the next week we're just going to say, ah, private party this time. So it felt a little hollow. Uh, I'm still not sold on private party. Like I said, and I'll say it each and every week, that theme song is fire, but their in-ring work still has some things to be desired. Um <laughs> <laughs> you like my little singing? Uh, I do not. Well, good. Good. I'll do it more then. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously the champs uh, retained here, and as they should, I thought, you know, if private party were to become champions, that would be a huge mistake. Uh, I still have that belief that uh, the champions will lose to either FTR or Young Bucks once they finish, the, finish their feud. Um, but, yeah, that's what kicked off the show. Uh, let's move into what was next. Next was Joey Janela, the bad boy, versus Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts. What say you, Tim, on this match where Lance Archer defeated Joey Janela? This was actually one of the uh, ones that I remember the most. Um, this match was really good. They told a great in-ring story, right? And then Janela, for a second, you honestly thought, like, oh, crap, are they going to 
nah, right? You're like, nah, there's no way. And then uh, Archer does what we thought he was going to do and just eats him. Um, it was really good. I thought this was done well. And this is why I keep saying the praises of, of the bad boy, Joey Janela. I think he's the perfect gutsy bad boy who believes his own shit where everyone else around him is like, hey, man, I think you're going to get hurt. And he's like, nah, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Watch me put on my shades and walk in there and chew gum and kick ass. And it's like, dude, I think you might leave with a concussion. And his selling is great because, like, he would just be folded in the funniest ways. Yeah, yeah. It always seemed to be, yeah, some type of ankle on ear or yeah. ass hanging out with his face on the ground. Yeah, it was always the weirdest ways he would land. Uh, but this is why I think we need to invest more time into Joey Janela. Obviously, he has um, th- this emerging tag team with Sonny Kiss, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, but I think he's just perfect for that mid card, you know, going back to the days of ECW, Mikey Whiprack, uh, Spike Dudley kind of thing where it's like yep. everyone knows that this motherfucker is probably not going to win. But God damn it, I want him to. Yeah. Right. Like, I You're want this guy to through win. his face. Yeah, yeah. But like when he comes out, it's going to be entertaining. Shit's going to hit oh, the yeah. fan and he's going to try it's his gonna hardest. It's going to be like when they it's going to be like when they gave Zack Ryder that U.S. title. Remember? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It was like, ah, oh, yeah. Like when he finally gets a, like a win. Yeah. You could do it. Great. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, my my biggest criticism isn't necessarily a criticism because I want more of it is invest in these new stars that I haven't seen on a national platform so uh, Lance Archer won again I kind of think you know we have a lot of guys doing the same role uh, Jake the Snake Roberts I think is still a great manager uh, we'll get into a little bit later Nyla Rose uh, and her news but uh, maybe Jake the Snake is a part of that possibly but we'll uh, get our thoughts on that here in a second uh, but Lance Archer you know reestablishes himself as that dominant heel that will uh, murder everyone. Um, so yeah, it was, it was what it was as Max Holloway used to say, uh, moving on. Then we had a bit of news. Taz had a major announcement. Now this was pretty fun, uh, going into the, uh, episode of fighter fest. Uh, he put on his Twitter. I think even AEW themselves were pumping up this huge announcement. Tony Khan was even saying like, this is going to be, uh, an announcement that changes the wrestling business. Uh, and it turns out that uh, Taz is bringing back the FTW championship and he awarded it to his client or uh, agent. I, or I don't know what the relationship is, but Taz awarded the championship to Brian Cage. What do you think about the FTW championship coming back into existence? Uh, hey, I mean, why not? Right. Anything Taz says right now, I'm buying. So. Um, you know, why not? Right. And uh, what are you going to do if Brian Cage walked in? He was like, Hey, I'm a champion. What, what are you going to be like? No, you're not. Yeah. So like, yeah, he's the FTW champion. Like, yes, sir. Yeah, you are. He looks great on you. <laughs> so, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this is handled. Cause he even said, he's like, no promotion has ever recognized this title. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, this will be fun. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot too. I like it as far as what the genesis of the act, uh, of the first title was for Taz. So if you remember back in ECW, uh, Taz was the number one contender uh, from all accounts. If you watched the, uh, ECW back then, he should have been the champ, right? It was just 
let's get this guy the title. But Shane Douglas, either because of injury or then they did some storyline where he just wasn't giving Taz uh, the the title shot. Taz just said, well, fuck this. Then I'm just going to be the unrecognized people's champ, and I'm going to create this FTW title, right? Fuck the world title. I'm the man. And, you know, if you fast forward to 2020, the storyline is that Taz is at least telling us is, hey, Brian Cage should be the champ. We all know that Brian Cage should be the champ. And the only reason Brian Cage isn't the champ tonight is because John Moxley chose to self-quarantine. So if he's not going to come here and lose it, or, you know, lose the title to my client, I'm just going to give him a title. And so if you think of it that way, the FTW championship fits perfectly for the story they're telling, right? I do think, though... In today's day and age where it's like, oh, do you remember back in July when like Brian Cage was the FTW championship? Whatever happened to that belt? Like, I don't think it's meant to be defended in October. I think it was an FU to John Moxley. And then we're going to have possibly some type of, uh, you know, title versus title like Taz did with Sabu uh, back in ECW after he became champion. Um so I like it for the, for what the title represents in this current storyline. I just don't think, and I kind of hope it doesn't turn into a another mid card title, right? Like I don't want it's the a hardcore title. Yeah, I don't want the AEW championship, the TNT championship, the tag championship, the women's championship. Oh, and then the FTW. Like I don't want that at all. I think this is just a the NBA on True TV championship, right? I just think that this would be. I, if if John Moxley still wasn't able to defend the belt for maybe three or four more weeks, I think the belt would have been a little bit more significant. They kind of rushed it, I think, because it's only been one week, right? Like he delayed his championship uh, match by one week. Like shut the hell up, right? Yeah. Are we gonna do this fighter fest right into fight for the fallen every year like this? Like didn't they do this last time? Like they gotta spread these out. Yeah, I don't know. I you know obviously times are a little bit tough and they're just trying to make a splash with just getting noticed. So maybe that was what their thought process was this year. Uh, I honestly don't know. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, I like the title. Obviously I'm a big Taz Mark, yeah. so I'm going to love anything he does really. Um, Brian cage, FTW champion. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I mean, if they were to do something cool, but the problem is, you know, if you do something cool with the title that's unique, then it becomes gimmicky, right? Like think X Division, right? So, but the X Division just, for a while was the number one thing for right, TNA for a while. Yeah, yeah, for a while. It's it's when it gets gimmicky when you have to somehow carve out a niche. Well, then it becomes the niche. Right? Yeah, I, just, yeah. yeah. I, I think what was lost on this was how the FTW belt was brought into existence back when Taz was wrestling, and what that should have signified with this belt now how Brian Cage is the uncrowned champ. It's very similar to, uh, you know, this weekend, and Tim, I know you're, you're not the biggest fight fan in the world, but this weekend uh, in the UFC, the main event is for the welterweight championship. It's Kamaro Usman, who is the champion, versus Jorge Masvidal, right? So it's uh, champion versus number one uh, contender, right? Well, Jorge Masvidal was getting tired of, you know, in his eyes being the uncrowned champ. So he fought Nate Diaz for the BMF. If you remember that, when the rock was a part of the UFC there for a couple weeks, right? The baddest motherfucker title. So, you know, they're not doing baddest motherfucker versus the welterweight champion, but 
it's kind of the same thing with the FTW champion and the heavyweight championship. It's where one guy is just like, you know what? I'm tired of this fucking champ acting like he's the shit. I'm the actual shit. So I'm going to get, you know, in this case, give myself the title. And in that other case, he's just going to create a title into existence. So it's very similar. I thought. Yeah, that's neat though. All right. And so this isn't actually on the rundown, but I did want to, uh, get your thoughts on it because it was probably my favorite moment of the week uh, in pro wrestling. And actually, to be honest with you of the week, we had the first ever first ever AEW puppy battle Royale for the women. It was Penelope Ford who won. And for the men, it was that dastardly MJF. Uh, What did you think of the first ever puppy battle Royal? Well, MJF is so better than you, and you know it, that even the his puppy in the puppy battle royal wins. I mean Yeah. What, what more what more does this guy have to do to convince you? Yeah. I I yeah. love this. This was so great. So yeah, this was fun. Yeah, it was for uh I can't think of it right now again because it's not in the, the rundown that I'm looking at. It was for a nonprofit uh to help both dogs and uh kittens across the country. Uh, get adopted to loving families. Uh, you had uh, Pharaoh as a special enforcer. Obviously, Pharaoh is Cody Rhodes's uh, puppy. Uh, it was just so cute. Everything about it was so great. Uh, they had the orange Cassidy pup come out with the sunglasses. I thought that was a great touch. Um, and I liked how if the puppy left the ring, they would eliminate themselves and that would cause an elimination, you know, like they had real rules. And so I just thought it was great. It, it was well, really yeah, cool. Well, yeah. If the, if the puppy eliminates themselves or if the puppy eliminates, yeah. they eliminate themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect, uh, perfect little, uh, touch to a really special event here. Uh, one of the things I also liked, and I wrote this down, was if you caught uh, Tony Schiavone was the commentator for this match, air quotes, and uh, Tony Schiavone said uh, during this this uh, men's battle royal or puppy battle royal is uh, this is better than anything I called in the year two thousand. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah. That's funny. he said that, and I thought that was just a perfect touch. Uh, yeah. So again, I hope well, we see probably right. Yeah, it, he probably is right. Uh, I hope we see more of the, these, you know, I wouldn't be mad if, uh, it becomes a yearly tradition. If we continue fighter fest that we do a puppy battle Royal, I wouldn't be mad if we did it at every pay-per-view. I'm being serious. I love pups. Uh, they're my favorite thing in the world. So more puppy battle Royals for me. All right. So now let's get back into the card. So, Next up, we had FTR and the Young Bucks versus the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros. Butcher and the Blade and Lucha Bros pick up the win. Uh, what did you think about just this insane tag team match? Uh, that it was insane. I mean, which, I mean, think of the players involved, right? All these people know how to go over the top. So um, uh, the Butcher's uh, stash, man, that guy's getting... I guess impressive. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, you know what uh, didn't dawn on me until we started the match and they started, you know, getting all their shit in, as they say, is it's yeah. a, it's a mirror image of each other, right? So you have the ground attack of FTR and Butcher and the Blade, and then you have the aerial attack of the Lucha Bros yeah. and the Young Bucks. Like, I didn't even dawn on me that they're a mirror image of each other. Uh, I really like this match. 
I thought it was really cool to see how FTR and the Young Bucks were almost surprised on how well they worked together. There was a lot of double team moves that were kind of an FTR guy and a Young Buck, you know. Um, uh-huh. And it was all really going well. And it seemed like, you know, hey, maybe this is just the best you know, combination of two tag teams you can ever get in the world. And then you get the super kick on one of the members of FTR that causes um, the Lucha Bros, I believe, to uh, hit their finisher and get the win. Uh, And so, yeah, I I thought it was a good story to tell where FTR and Young Bucks were so shocked that they could work together. And then because of miscommunication, uh, maybe, you know, was it intentional we get them losing and the Lucha Bros and Butcher the Blade win. And then next week on Fight for the Fallen, it's announced that Lucha Bros versus FTR. So uh, I am I was really happy with this match. So many incredible spots. We could go on and on, but, you know, that Canadian Destroyer off the ropes into all the guys on the outside. I think that was the spot of the night for me. Uh, really, really crazy match. Yeah, I agree with all that. I um, I, I think that my biggest takeaway is still that um, at some point here, the Young Bucks, we're going to have to do something about the name, right? These guys aren't uh, – we're closer to not being young than we're ever going to be to being young again, right? So yes. what do we do here? What yeah. do you do? What do you do? What do you name them, Tom? If well, I'm still if, staying if the Young you. Bucks. You know why? Because – into his, you know, what seemed like his fifties, we were still calling Shawn Michaels the Heartbreak Kid. You know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah, we still call him that, right? So I'm not going to change Shawn Michaels' nickname, so I won't do that to the Young Bucks again. Well, hold on now. What I mean, we're comparing two wildly different mm. <laughs> statures. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, generally speaking, in the world of wrestling, like I'm not going to call. Uh, you know, little Wayne, middle-aged Wayne. I'm just going to call him little Wayne until he's, you know, yeah, he's going to be little Wayne forever. Yeah. Isn't he? Well, I guess little, well, is, he's also short. Yeah. I guess that was, as, as I said, that it kind of dawned on me. He's a, he's a short man. Could they be the little bucks? <laughs> yeah. Little bucks. Yeah. I, I mean, I would just call him Matt, Nick Jackson. That's honestly what I'd call him. Like just call them right. their names. Right. The Jacksons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be the funny. Jackson two. Yeah. The Jackson two. No, that's bad. Uh, but so is Young Bucks. Um, <laughs> you know? uh, so are the Young Bucks. No, I'm just kidding. No, they're good. They're good wrestlers, I guess. They're fine. For what this style of wrestling, yeah. They're fine. I Hey, they went from me calling them cunts to now me saying they're fine. They're, they're, they're gaining steam in my book here as being accepted as, you know, a capital G guy. So um, anyhow, let's get back into the uh, to the uh, action from Fighter Fest. Next up, we had Nyla Rose in a squash match against two jobbers. Uh, that wasn't the story uh, of the night uh, for her. It was post-match. Uh, she announced that, hey, seems like everyone here in AEW uh, that has a manager gets a title shot, and I want my title back, so I'm going to be getting me a manager. Uh, what did you think of this whole segment? Yeah, interesting. Um I don't know who, man. I, I I like that you sprinkled in the thought of Jake Roberts because God, that that's great. I don't know who else, and maybe it's designed to be somebody we don't know mm-hmm. yet. So, mm-hmm. I I think yeah, Jake uh, Jake the Snake Roberts uh, fits for me because you have the Murder Hawk and the Natural Beast uh, being led by the Sinister snake i mean that's just a match made in hell right like that's just fucking scary as shit if those two come walking out of the tunnel um i'm not a big fan of introducing someone new you know i still think we have tully blanchard arn anderson 
Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, to a certain extent, still kind of Orange Cassidy with best friends, although he's kind of breaking out, obviously, into a single run. It should run. be Orange Cassidy. Oh, that would be funny, wouldn't it? Oh, God, that would be hilarious. Uh, it could be Brandy. Remember, Brandy had her little heel faction yeah. with Awesome Kong. Maybe they're going to try 2.0. Yeah, maybe trying to dabble that again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So we shall see. Uh, I'm, my hope is Jake the Snake Roberts. So that's what I'm going to say. Uh, and that's what I would book. It's going to be Tony Schiavone. Oh, that'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? Or or it's Jim Ross. He comes out of the booth. Which, hey, if he gets out of the booth, that'd make AEW way better. Uh, that so. might almost work better. Ross is a manager? Yeah, because then he can still cut his promos in a prepackaged form, and you're still right. getting the, the shit in as far as slobber knocker and all that stuff. Oh, God, he could like fucking manage Hager. Oh, love that. yeah, he tried that with Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and WWF at the time, and I thought it was fine. Yeah, he could do that now yeah. with Jake Hager. Again, let's get Jake Hager out of the inner circle so we can make the inner circle cool again. That's what I'm about. Um, but yeah, uh, Jim Ross as a manager would be perfect because then you just have Shivani and Excalibur. Perfect. Again, three people yep. doing the yeah, same job. Yeah, occasional guest commentator, right? You get a yeah. Jericho in there once in a while. Or, oh, yeah. I'm just saying three people doing the same job, and you've heard this criticism before, but three people right. doing the same job is just too much for me, so let's get at least rid of one of them. And Tony Schiavone's the funniest one of the three, like the stuff he does with Britt he's Baker. So, like he's He seems like... Every time I listen, I'm like, God damn it. Does Tony Schiavone want to hang out? Like, this guy seems like so fun to be around. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm keeping anyone, I'm keeping Schiavone and then I'm getting rid of, you know, if we're playing, uh, what's that one game? Uh, fuck, Mary kill. Uh, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll bang Excalibur. I'm marrying Tony Schiavone and I'm killing Jim Ross. Like, that's what I'm doing with the three man booth there. Uh, I don't know why we got it's off because of the mask in it. Yeah, you know, it's intriguing. <laughs> Anyhow, let's get back into some more sinister, crazy, dark stuff. Uh, <laughs> next up, we had SCU versus the Dark Order and Colt Cabana. Now, before this match, we saw that Colt Cabana was jumped. He had bruising all up and down his side. We didn't actually find out who beat him up, but he was beat up. Uh, Brody Lee comes to the back, says, hey. You know the Dark Order did that. Yeah, it has to be, right? Yes. And so, but Brody Lee comes back, says, hey, these things shouldn't happen to you. Uh, I expect you to be ready for our match. You know, good luck out there. Uh, it's a back and forth match again. Scorpio Sky is getting lost in the shuffle with SCU. Uh, so I kind of really hope he breaks away sooner rather than later. But the Dark Order uh, with Colt Cabana get the win. Uh, Brody Lee hits his finisher on Christopher Daniels, but then gives Brody Lee, or excuse me, gives um, Colt Cabana the cover and the win. And that just puts a smile from ear to ear on Colt Cabana's face. So what'd you think of this match? Um, I thought it was neat. This kind of went roundabout to kind of how I called it. You know, I thought maybe, uh, we'd get Cabana doing something a little dirty underhanded, but they avoided that. They just kind of gave him the win, which is something he's been, you know what I mean? Um, eagering for so uh yeah i like it right i like the story they're telling here right and it's slow it's you know what i mean it's little snippets that we're getting and it's it's leading us down a path right it's 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 good and it's new for colt cabana like we haven't seen this like should i should i kick this dude in the nuts should i right like should i if i can join this dark order and be a weirdo like uh, i like it 
I like it. I, I want more of it. Yeah, I like it too. I like that uh, throughout the match, you know, Colt Cabana was doing uh, questionable things that SCU was like, really, man? Like, you're our friend and you're going to do this? And he's like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to win. Nah, what are you going to do? Uh, so I, I like that. Maybe that's the story in ring that we tell, right? So maybe, uh, next week it's, uh, Brody Lee and Colt Cabana versus best friends. Colt Cabana and best friends are best friends, you know? And throughout that match, again, Colt Cabana keeps doing these underhanded tactics to where Chuck and Trent are like, are you really trying to grab the ropes while you pin me? You jerk. Like, what the hell? Dude, and he's you like, pulled my tights, yeah. dude. And he's like, nah, what are you going to do about it? I'm trying to win. Um, so maybe that's the story in ring that we tell. But yeah, like you said, it's a slow, deliberate uh, story that gets us something new from Colt Cabana. Yeah. Who jumped him? We think it was the Dark Order. Could be someone else, right? Um, but it's very interesting. CM Punk. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I hope not. Don't put him back into the wrestling world again. Um, he's he's really leading the Dark Order. Ugh, no, that would be miserable. Uh, one thing that I was going to ask you if you saw is a digital exclusive from AEW. Uh, post-match, Colt Cabana is getting interviewed uh, after the victory, and Evil Uno comes up and says, Hey, we have a collaboration t-shirt. You're the king of t-shirts, which that's what Colt Cabana is known for, is the king of uh, pro wrestling t-shirts he goes we have a little collaboration and it was a collaboration of colt cabana and the dark order and it was a circle kind of had some sinister uh you know like affliction style clothing inside of the circle but then on the outer side of the circle it said colt cabana c-u-l-t colt cabana around it uh did you see this and what'd you think if you uh just are hearing it for the first time didn't you call that out? Didn't you say you should be it's Colt perfect? Cabana? Yeah, it's Colt Cabana. I mean, how do you not say that every time? It's perfect. It is perfect. It should be fun. I, I like that. That's really cool. I didn't see that. That's really neat. Yeah. So again, Evil Uno, because there's so many fun things that you can do with the storyline when you introduce someone into an evil faction or even a baby face faction. Wow. And Evil Uno is a character uh, is a bomb of a character waiting to explode because he was the guy leading the whole thing when they first introduced this group. Right. And then all of a sudden, like there was like a new leader and now he's just like, fuck dude. Right. So like, when's he going to be like, fuck this. It was better under my, my lead. Right. Well, and you know who has experience telling that story? Brody Lee. Mm -hmm. If you remember the storyline going into WrestleMania when Randy Orton joined the Wyatt family was Luke Harper kept saying, hey, this Randy Orton motherfucker isn't good for us. And Bray Wyatt going like, easy, young fellow. Like, I've got this under control. And then what ended up happening? Fucking Randy Orton burned down the house and killed Sister Abigail, apparently. Uh, And then we get a match with randy orton and bray wyatt but maybe there's new wrinkles that we can tell with that similar story here where maybe evil uno is the one telling Brody lee like hey i'm glad that we got colt cabana here but you know what i don't trust this motherfucker he's a clown yeah like i think he's joking around i think we're losing more because he's not taking this serious and then Brody's lee like easy evil and then maybe evil uno breaks out and becomes a single star into his own right you know so there's a lot of things that we can do, and we have someone in Brody Lee who's told a similar story if that's the way they want to go. But 
we're still really far away from that. Right now, we're still seeing if Colt Cabana joins the Dark Order, and we've got a fun shirt that you can get at shop dot or shopaew.com. So excited about that. All right, now let's get into the main event, kind of. Again, it was going to be uh, Brian Cage versus uh, John Moxley. John Moxley, breaking kayfabe, actually has to uh, self-quarantine because his wife, Renee Young, had COVID. Uh, so we get this main event, uh, Orange Cassidy, the hottest baby face in pro wrestling today. I'm, I'm calling it right now versus probably the most beloved pro wrestler. I'm going to say that as well in Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho gets the victory, uh, in a very, very, very good match. What did you think of this? Jericho is like the um he's like the David Bowie of pro wrestling, right? Like keeps like he can go generation to generation and just change, right? And he's just he's still cool, right? Like everybody's still like, Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I like that guy. He yeah, yeah it's almost uh y- you know, it's like it's like Kanye in the sense of he's taking so many bold risks is except for it doesn't come with all the baggage that is Kanye. But you know what I'm saying? Like if you were to look at Kanye's no, yep. uh, albums, you know, one after the other, they're different, right? 808 doesn't sound like anything like college dropout. And the, uh, you know, Lionheart is nothing like the, the bright jackets, which is nothing like the pain maker, which is nothing like um, the suit wearing, champion but they're all chris jericho you know just like the music is all kanye west uh david bowie's another good example yeah where it's just uh year after year he continues to do just little tweaks to what is considered a masterpiece to some and it's still relevant to the masses so uh chris jericho still hitting home runs uh i can't wait till he honestly maybe retires or goes into managing because i want him back in that booth where he, when he's in the booth AEW's a much better show for me to watch gosh uh, it's so fun it's so he's great so, yeah he's non-stop dude he can, like he can just go just put a microphone in front of him and he can just rail he can rail but he doesn't ever take away from the match like he puts people over Right, like Pineapple Pete was not a person before Chris Jericho got in the booth. Um, yeah, it's not all self-serving, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean it's 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 perfect. It's like, but it's it's always tongue in cheek. It's always humorous. Like he's never hitting. Like you're never like that one was lame. Yeah, and uh, uh, like when he wants good. to put over a baby face or a heel, you know, he always says like, "I never thought of that," and this is the first time Penelope Ford uh, showed this counter to me. That's incredible. Like now you think, well, Penelope Ford might be the shit here, right? So like, yeah, his commentating is just off the charts good. Uh, but anyhow, back to the main event: Chris Jericho beats Orange Cassidy. Uh, I love this match. I thought this was a breakout performance for Orange Cassidy. The kicks that went into the super kick, I thought was a perfect spot. Like a, it was a yes. long play to get to that. Right, all of the you know slow kicks on Tommy Dreamer or Pac and all of that stuff. And then this one, Chris Jericho was like, okay, he's gonna do the, the nope. Yeah, I got fucking kicked in the face. Thought that was great. Uh, this match was awesome. Oh, so good. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Santana and Ortiz coming out with orange juice, and then orange juice yeah. being part of the distraction, which is thrown in uh, Cassidy's face. That brings out the best friends. Uh, 
you know, there's a couple different times that Orange Cassidy, uh, especially after he got hit with the baseball bat, I thought, you know, all right, well, that's the end of the match. And he kicks out and I was like, okay, well, maybe they're going Orange Cassidy. And uh, the finish comes when Orange Cassidy goes for the Roman Reigns Superman punch, but is countered by the uh, Judas effect, the spinning back elbow, which no one's kicked out of yet, which I think is a good touch. Uh, And Jericho gets the win that way. Yeah, this was great, wasn't it? I mean, this was awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I have mixed feelings towards that, you know, Judas effect. Uh, I get, there is some realism to, like, what happened right there, right? Like, he's running, he hits him with a spinning back elbow and knocks a dude out, right? Like, the timing of it was done really well on this one, and it is kind of like, oh, and it's a more realistic fight feel, like, oh, he got got fight over, right? Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. even though it was going toe-to-toe and everybody was equal, he just didn't guard your face, sucks to be you, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But it is just a, like he just spins around, you know, and just gives a little elbow. And it's like, all right. Um, but, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I thought they were going to go Orange Cassidy. But, you know, maybe this is used for a little more. Maybe they squeeze a little more out of this, pun intended. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. The match really highlighted Orange Cassidy and really put him over in a big way. The only criticism I would give to the main event is post-match. It kind of just felt like, all right, and that's it. We got to get out of here. It was, you know, Jericho won. He stands up. He gets his hand raised. Then he just rolls out to the outside of the ring, puts his hands up, and we fade to black. Uh, again, not everything has to be a cliffhanger to where I go, what happens next week? But if you're going to do some type of, you know, pay-per-view-esque show on uh, a dynamite episode give me yeah, some fireworks or something on the way out right yeah against fireworks there's gonna be a call on the way out like he's gotta be like oh and he knocks off the upcoming orange cats in here right? like, yeah awesome. yeah because what we got was stay tuned for i think tarzan or something and it was like okay mm-hmm. that kind of seemed a little anticlimactic uh especially when you compare it to nxt right nxt uh they do the winner takes all uh, Keith Lee def- defeats Adam Cole to become the first double champion of the North American and heavyweight champion. And they celebrate with streamers and confetti and fireworks, you know, like they had a budget they had to spend before the night was over. And again, AEW was just Jericho. Again, the match yeah. itself was awesome, but post-match, it just didn't feel special. I agree with that. If Yeah, it kind of felt like, a good middle of the show match, you know, like if this was placed in the middle of the show and then we got the Moxley uh, cage match, I would have no criticism, but this closed the show. So I thought, give me a little bit more punch, uh, squeeze something out of you pun intended uh, to give me, you know, something to look forward to for fight for the fallen. Um, But yeah, now let's get into NXT, right? So NXT great American bash, as I just mentioned, uh, Keith Lee, defeated Adam Cole, Adam Cole losing his championship after 400 plus days. Uh, what did you think of this? That's in, that's a big deal, right? I, I was, I've kind of had that feeling a little bit of like, all right, well, what are we going to do with Adam Cole then, right? We've done everything with Adam Cole, right? I mean, the, the Undisputed Era helps, right? Because they can get into all kind of zany antics as they are wont to do, but um so this Keith Lee thing is interesting, right? That they did the double championship. Um, they're really kind of highlighting this guy, uh, and dutifully so, right? I mean, the dude's 
impressive, right? He's a big dude. I don't know if he's, you know, he still needs some seasoning, which is why he's going to have this run maybe with their title, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he's got something, right? He's charismatic. People like the dude. And um, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. I mean, overall, the whole card, um, you know, had some misses, right? Uh, but, yeah. But, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, as far as a, a an entire card for week two of the Great American Bash, I wasn't impressed. I, I don't yeah. – I didn't care Street about – Street fight with Mia Yim and Candice LeRae was decent. Like, yeah. At least the, you know what I mean? They had good spots and the finish was brutal. Yeah, that was – yeah, again. Uh, but – yeah, you know, like what I'm. I'm not invested yeah. in that story. I, I'm not invested in the um, uh, the uh, uh, Brizongo and uh, I keep wanting to call him Spike Dudley, but what's his name? Um, who's the guy that got fired? But Maverick. Didn't yeah, Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick. I'm not. I'm. Not, I don't care about Drake Maverick's story with the. Uh, they threw together a Bronson Reed Tony Nice match. Like that was something anybody was pining for. Yeah, it just. You know, and Isaiah Swerve, uh, or Swerve, yeah. uh, I like him a lot, but the match with Johnny Gargano felt, again, kind of like what this event was, last minute rushed. It was a good athletic performance by both guys, but, eh? Uh, but this was the, 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 you know, like I said, I thought the moment of <clears throat> both weeks uh, was Keith Lee defeating Adam Cole. I was a little disappointed in the match, if I'm going to be honest. I felt like Adam Cole kind of wrestled, Keith Lee, who was a much, much bigger guy, as if it was just Johnny Gargano or Tommaso Ciampa or anyone comparable in his size, when it's like, right. no, you would not be, you would not put a side headlock on Keith Lee. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wrestled him as if it was a cruiserweight. And so I didn't really like the offense from Adam Cole. Keith Lee's, like, neck and and head, just like a headlock. I'm gonna do shit to that guy. Yeah, and Keith Lee—he's a fucking like hippopotamus, oh, man. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he's a massive, massive human. You would not hold on to a headlock that easy as Adam Cole did while he was talking yeah, trash. He'd buck you off like a bull. <laughs> he just toss you. That's dumb. Yeah, and so I, I just the match kind of was a miss for me, if I'm being honest with you. Um, Keith Lee, like you said. He definitely has this it factor, right? He just has this uh, air of confidence that just follows him wherever he goes. So, you know, if you were to say that's your champion, fuck yeah, I'm in. You know what I'm saying? Like, that makes sense to me. He carries himself like a champion. He looks like a champion. Uh, He can fight like a champion. I'm all for it. Uh, But I don't know. This isn't – we're going to see, right? So now Keith Lee gets his chance. We're going to see – you know, at the Royal Rumble, it felt like he got the biggest pop of anyone, especially when he was standing face to face with Brock Lesnar. Uh, so now we're going to get that payoff, right? Is he yeah. is he more sizzled so, than steak the, or what? To me, the champ needs to be able to really handle the on screen, out of the ring story. Right? That's great for Keith Lee when he's in there and everybody's like basking his glory and he's super cool in the ring that's great but like when we're doing vignettes and we're building you know what i mean you're opening the show right or i mean nxt is a little different than the you know main roster format but uh you know like you know that's that's what is yet to be seen for me i think yeah i agree and then and then on the other hand one, one thing that oh feels a little hollow is you know being the double champ is awesome Right, it's awesome in the UFC or any other MMA organization or boxing. Uh, it's awesome in pro wrestling. 
I don't feel as it should be a as big of a uh, accomplishment because the North American Championship has been around for about a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? Like uh, um, the first champ was was Ricochet, if I if memory serves me correct, right? Yeah. Or was it Adam Cole? I don't remember. It was one of those two. It was one of those two. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was that big ladder match, right? Right. And so it's like those two guys are still actively wrestling. It's not as if this North American Championship has some heritage that even goes back to Jinder Mahal or Seth. Rollins, right? It's like it's still a very brand new title. His heritage doesn't even go back to Jinder Mahal. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Jinder Mahal was one of the first like NXT mainstays. He was a uh, he was the first heel to uh, challenge for the NXT Championship when Seth Rollins became the first ever champion. Uh, so like you know, it doesn't even date back to then. Um, but now that leads me into the second part of uh, this discussion with you, Tim. So now you have Keith Lee who is the double champ, right? NXT is a two-hour show weekly that needs, I believe, two titles, right? A mid-card title and a, obviously, heavyweight championship title. Uh, So what do you do to, I don't know, get one title off of Keith Lee? Or do you get rid of one title? What what would you do? I'm giving you the the pencil, as they say in pro wrestling. Uh, What are you doing with Keith Lee post great american bash i think what they're gonna do is they'll find some way to just kind of i you can't have him lose it right in some kind of match to something i don't think because that kind of defeats the purpose of everything you just did for him so it's almost like he's got to relinquish it and they may then redesign it right new merch right mm. they did this with the u.s title right yeah mm-hmm. um so i think that's the route they'll go and then we'll get some tournament nxt loves a tournament so i think that's what they're gonna do um yeah i don't know what else i you know because that's anything else involves him somehow losing it and that's hard to do when you're trying to push him as the double ch- like unbeatable mm-hmm. next big thing mm-hmm. so yeah uh i think I think the giving up the title would be great, especially if he was a heel, right? Because then he'd be like, I just don't even care about that title. You guys take it, right? Uh, as a babyface, it's a little bit harder because it's the, I can defeat anyone on any night. I I am a superhero, right? So I'll I, wrestle twice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe what they're going to do is maybe start to develop a main event storyline for the heavyweight championship. One thing, I don't know if you caught this, but after – uh, the match as Keith Lee was celebrating, they went to the rafters and it was Karrion Cross uh, laughing as he looked down upon Keith Lee celebrating his new heavyweight championship victory. Right. So maybe I can see, you know, next week uh, Johnny Gargano comes out and hey, Keith Lee, love that you're the double champ, but I'm still after that North American championship. And then you bring in a baby face. Let's just say it's Finn Balor. Right. And then William Regal sees the three of them in the ring. He goes, we're going to make a triple threat uh, for the North American championship. And then that way, Johnny Gargano can get a cheap win over Finn Balor. Keith Lee doesn't have to take the pinfall, but he loses that title. 
Karrion Cross can cost him the match somehow. Now we've got our main event storyline, Karrion Cross, Keith Lee, and then we've got our mid card with Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. Right. Yeah. He gets cost the the North American title, so it's not necessarily his fault if he lost it. But he also is like, all right, well, I'm the I'm the main champ. I'll focus on that. Right. And I'm going to go after the guy that cost me that match, and it was Karrion Cross. So me and you, right. if you want to evil motherfucker, yeah, if you want to fight for a title, let's fight for this title right here that I still have. Me and you on the next pay per view. So that's what I think they could do. Speaking of, though, as I just kind of fantasy booked that on the fly, can we talk just for a quick second? In the two weeks that was the you know showcase of both brands, AEW and NXT, how unimportant does Finn Balor feel right now? Yeah. Um, well, and, I mean... Yeah, he kind of always felt that way to me. <laughs> well, yeah, and maybe maybe I'm going off of the, you know, if you go back to the old NXT takeovers and those entrances and his matches with Samoa Joe, it's like he hasn't re... Oh, he was the shit. Yeah, but it, it's like he hasn't reconnected that, that uh, buzz about him in NXT the second go-around, uh, and I just don't know Is what's missing. Is it a different missing. crowd this go-around? Say that again. Well, first of all, the crowd right, yeah. is not right. The crowd's you know, not there. there. Yeah, and maybe that's the whole pizzazz is everyone's looking up and you know doing that was fun a chance. big thing of NXT. If you'll remember, like the crowd was always very coordinated, mm-hmm. very in it, very yeah. you know smarky crowd. Yeah, and I, one thing, uh, one criticism I have about you know AEW in comparison to just WWE as a whole is I just I am not a fan of this plexiglass and them banging on it. It seems like I'm watching a, a low-level hockey game. Like, I just yeah. don't know. I don't like it. I, you know, I know that they can't just do open arena uh, television shows like AEW, but it feels more like a wrestling show when I, when I watch AEW and hear the ambience of the guys and girls on the uh, guardrail uh, with – the WWE, the banging on that fiberglass. I'm just like, what well, am I watching here? Yeah, the fiberglass is buff. And, and the other thing is you can tell WWE is given the clear direction of like, you're going to boo when he says this and yeah. you're going to cheer when he says this. Yeah. And so it's very like laugh track sounding. Yeah, I agree. Versus AEW, they just say, go out there and be, if you're an asshole, be an asshole. If you're, you know what I mean? If, you, if you're a good guy, cheer the good guys and just go. And they let them be the character out there, right? So some of them are making fun of each other. Some of them are just, you know what I mean? Just talking, hanging out like it feels real. And, you know, one thing that I will say is AEW's been testing all of their talent. So kudos to them uh i've also noticed though uh aw's crowd never wear mask i don't i don't think i've seen anyone in a mask in a couple weeks which hey if you're getting but if you're getting tested i get it right but if you're gonna say hey everyone be safe out there wear a mask well you're not wearing a mask on your television show anyhow uh it also feels like i think one reason why i prefer an AEW show right now in this coronavirus era is the wrestlers in AEW seem like fans who are watching a wrestling show as their character, right? Like MJF is a wrestling fan, right. but he's also yeah, MJF. I mean, so when right. he's on the outside, he's yelling at Dustin Rhodes or laughing at him when he gets punched in the face. Whereas NXT feels like, oh, well, that guy was a five-star recruit at Ohio State for football, and now he's trying out pro wrestling, and he's being told to cheer for Drew McIntyre. And it's like... Well, yeah, that's what I mean. It sounds like a laugh track. They're, it's very robotic. 
And, you know, you can tell they're waiting for certain words because some of them don't, they hit it too quick. I don't know if you've noticed that, right? Oh, yeah. Instead of like the actual time it would take to process that somebody said something, right? Like they're already booing and it's just, yeah, I, you know, yes, with AW it is exactly that, which again feels real, right? Like a lot. Yeah. Like a lot of your MMA folks that you know, gonna go out and watch the other fights. <laughs> like they want to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, I, I was, you know, depends on where they're on the card, et cetera. But like, I just, you know, it's it's more real, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, on the other side of this discussion, I gave you uh, the task of telling me what you would do with Keith Lee. Uh, the loser of the main event was Adam Cole, baby. Uh, what are you doing with Adam Cole? How, how are you booking him? Where are you putting him? Are you moving him up, even though we've done that quite recently with Matt no, Riddle? I don't think you move him up because I think you've got the whole – you've got Undisputed Era there to tell so many stories, right? Like I think we've talked about how I would I would start the Roderick Strong finally breaks away aspect, right? So you have that, right? You've got a Roderick Strong, Adam Cole feud built in that could span several months, right? Uh, while you're having them Biden time – wrestling whomevers right um and then slowly doing that transition him out of there right into rod the bod right um uh and then adam cole i mean yeah so you you do that for a while and then yeah then eventually the tag team turns on him or something right and we just kind of change him up all together at that point but that's six months down the road i don't even know what i would do at that point right maybe you move him up then or maybe yeah yeah the world is hard to to tell what turns we're going to take uh, in six months, because six months ago, I don't think we would be going through a Corona era virus or Corona virus era, uh, you know, right now. So I, I agree. I think uh, so. But here's then the difficult question I give I give to you, then, if you're going to break up Undisputed Era on NXT, right? Roderick Strong leaves the group. Do you somehow figure out a way, like, is a goal long-term to get them back together to then move them to up together as the Undisputed Era to a Raw or SmackDown? Like, do you want that payoff as far as, like, it's a it's a faction moving up to take on, you know, fill in the blank, New yeah, Day? Yeah, if you don't break them up, move them on up as a faction. Yeah, the problem with factions are there's an inherent, like, there's got to be a mission, Right, like, and if it's just, it can. I guess it can be as simple as we're going to win the titles. Um, mm-hmm. But it helps to have other factions. So the only real other ones there, you know, you got New Day, but that's, you know, first of all, there's only two people strong right now. Yeah, and then, um, uh, you know, Rollins thing, but you don't really want to mess with that. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we we'll see. I'm. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's a difficult task that NXT has ahead of themselves uh, because a lot of things are going against them, right? Uh, maybe in a perfect world, Undisputed Era would have got moved up, but you moved up other people because of necessity, right? Like Matt Riddle got moved up, I think, because, hey, we need a, a, a fresh splash on SmackDown as ratings continue to go down because no one's watching this boring-ass shit. So we move him up, right? Like, let's hope that gives us a couple uh weeks of ratings boost um but yeah i it's going to be difficult to see or it's going to be difficult for them to figure it out uh, i'm interested in seeing where they go um but yeah i thought it was a good week of wrestling what did you think any let's touch on anything else before we get out of here what else did you like about the week that was in pro wrestling uh so s- 
Raw had its own uh, right. That's where MVP is, right? Uh, had its own yep. uh, little uh, belt switcheroo thing going on too, right? He's he's the new United States champion, right? With the new U.S. state uh, United States championship belt, which I don't know. I, when I look at it, I'm like, eh, not bad, but it's also not good. Um, I think it looks like Dipset. Remember Dipset with uh, Cameron and uh, um, Jim Jones and all those guys? You remember Dipset? That sounds so familiar. The balling, that guy, remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. They had yeah. the they had the Eagle Cameron and all of them. It looks like a cam. That's it looks right. like a Dipset title. That's what I thought of first thing I saw when, or that's the first thing I yeah. thought of when I saw it. Yeah, um, so he's doing that. I mean, you know, I you know, I like MVP and what they're doing with him, and kind of you know, he's playing that. Hey, he's doing what the non-comedy version of what they're what uh, Robbie E is, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in in, in NXT, um, you know, it fits. It's good for COVID era, right? When we've got to do a lot more backstage stuff. I feel yeah, I feel like it, it's a good uh, it's a good highlight to a otherwise boring show the thing that i've been thinking about though when i try to recap raw in my head is it just feels like it's a bunch of bad guys like i just feel like i'm watching a ton of bad guys like that yeah, is it's there like, is yeah there's no big hero yeah it's there's like no hero. randy orton is awesome as a heel and i like what he's doing with this like revamped yeah, legend true. killer but he's a bad guy right yeah, Drew's the only uh, face, really. Yeah, Seth Rollins is awesome. I don't give a shit about Rey Mysterio. Sorry, like not anymore. And so, yeah, that's right. Mysterio's acting is a good guy right now, right? And it's yeah, fine, right. but yeah. he can't cut a he can't cut a promo to save his life. So, no. Well, uh, and Apollo Cruz sucks. Yeah, Apollo Cruz isn't interesting at all. Big Show is the guy they've got out there as a damn face. Yeah, which he did the Broken Skull interview because that was the signal that you're done with your career like you don't you don't come back after you get interviewed by stone cold uh so what the hell um yeah what the fuck yeah what the fuck guys um and so yeah i just think of raw as just a bunch of you know really acceptable and entertaining heels with just baby faces who are fucking plain yogurt you know what i mean well randy orton um uh, is he gonna restart legacy with the uh, Andrade and Angel Garza? Is that what's happening here? I don't know. I really don't know what they're doing. And I thought another interesting aspect of the Randy Orton character was when our uh, Truth was running away from yeah. the ninjas, and he was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh shit, I gotta go. Ninjas are coming after me." And then he told the ninjas to go the other way. Like he didn't say like. Yeah. So what does that mean? I don't know. That was maybe that was just a throwaway. I don't know, but that was interesting, right? Like, yeah, I thought that was really neat. I was like, wait a minute, he's you know, he was ready to beat his ass, and then just like, eh, fuck it. Yeah, and so I think he's the most interesting guy in the main roster. Uh, if you move over to SmackDown, we talked a little bit about this off air, but Matt Riddle's the guy. It seems like that's really killing things over on, on SmackDown. Yeah. Well, his match with Morrison was damn good, which kind of took me by surprise. You know, I mean, we knew Morrison was an athlete, but he's never really been known as like the the guy who has good wrestling right. matches. You know, yeah, he can always do the twist in the air, but as far as maybe chain wrestling or even mat wrestling, he's been kind of lacking. But with this match, he killed it. I thought, yeah, it was really good. Um, I don't even know, you know, AJ Styles and Drew Gulak. I mean, that that no brainer that that's going to be you know mm-hmm. more than serviceable. 
Um, you know, I think hey, Nikki Cross. Let's talk about that one. It looks like she's maybe they're sprinkling back in the crazy Nikki. Which good? That's the best Nikki. A crazy Nikki is a great Nikki. You know that, right? I mean, you've lived with a Nikki for how long? A crazy <laughs> right. Nikki is a great Nikki. Um, right. Yeah, I like Crazy Nikki Cross. Turn on Alexa Bliss. I like their, you know, for the time that it lasted, I enjoyed the, like, you know, Beauty and the Beast, for lack of a better example of what they were trying to do. But let's get crazy with Nikki Cross and fucking, I don't know, have her spit green mist at Asuka just for the fuck of it. Or let's have her pants Apollo Crews just for the fuck of it. Like, let's get her doing crazy shit here. Um, Cesaro only allowed to tag team with with foreign nationals it seems that way and god you know we were just talking about a few minutes ago how cool finn balor was for a moment in the sun what about nakamura yep nakamura was the go watch nxt takeover two brooklyn i think it is when uh the gentleman comes out and plays the violin and then he walks out to a strobe light fucking christ yeah. man and now this guy yeah. is just i don't know I think he had like a big ass wrestlemania match even like nakamura was yeah and then just and now he's yeah. just a guy oh it's so sad um yeah i see you know one thing that i think smackdown has uh in its favor that they just haven't acted on because bruce pritchard's too fucking old and lame to come up with the idea but, like, let's do a new version, a 2020 version. I know he's aware of this group. Call it something different, obviously. But let's do a new version of the Varsity Club or a Shooters Club, right? You have Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak, um, Matt Riddle. Hell, Drew Gulak in Evolve uh, did touch... Um, Oh, what was it called? Touchpoint wrestling, right? It was that Matt-based wrestling that had Matt Riddle in it and Drew Gulak... Um, do like a, a shooter's club, right? I mean, you have so many guys on that roster that could legit kick your ass. I just think that's a gold mine if they ever decide to give it a talking piece and then just have killers behind them. If you were to say, this is what I, this is what you, you want to hear a fantasy booking real quick before we wrap yeah, up. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do a fantasy book and let's have a fucking, talking piece and i'm just gonna say let's rehire leo rush because leo rush feels like money to me right let's not have him wrestle he's just a talking piece but he has let's just call him i mean i'd call him shooters but i don't know if you can in a, the pc world that we live in right now uh but we're gonna gonna give him a badass name someone in marketing can come up with it right but it's leo rush as your talking piece you have matt riddle timothy thatcher drew gulak and daniel bryan that's your fucking stable. You gonna fuck with those guys? No. Right? They no, would no, all no, right. kick the fuck out of you. And that's what I want. I want like some oh shit. I think they really might be kicking his ass in this match because maybe he doesn't like him. You know, if you really wanted to get crazy, you could do the ult- ultimate shooters club, turn Matt Riddle into like a stone cold killer, have it be like a small group, have it be Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, Timothy Thatcher, Matt Riddle. That would be my real group. That would be fucking badass. They'd eat everybody. Right? Like, who's fucking with them? No one. They're just rabid dogs that just eat meat all the time and suplex people for fun. Suplex City, bitch. Yeah, that's where they live. They all, all they're that's the do- name of the stable. Yeah. 
Yes, Suplex City. That's what you fucking bitch. call him. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have the bitch, but yeah, just call him Suplex City, and it's those three guys. Fuck, that would be so cool. They just come around suplexing folks. Yeah, They're backstage catering. Right? Yeah, just backstage the the, the bump. Right. They just- <laughs> Yeah, just and suplexing folks. Yeah, just backstage as Paul Heyman's being interviewed, uh, you you know the locker room behind him, the door is closed, and one of those like uh, life size dummies goes through the door, and it's Matt Riddle, and he just grabs it again and then throws it back into the locker room as Paul Heyman's cutting a promo. Yeah, they're like wrestle toss suplexing the dummy to each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that'd be so cool. But anyhow, going back to like. SmackDown has just this wealth of in-ring talent that they just do not know how to figure out how to get across. Like Drew Gulak, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Matt Riddle. Like right there, that's your new SmackDown yeah. 6 that you had with Eddie Guerrero, um, Kurt Angle, Edge, um, and all of those guys back in 03. Yeah, like, we need a new age best of seven or something here. Yeah, Yeah, do a best of seven. I mean, fuck, even Drew Gulak and Matt Riddle for the Intercontinental Championship, a best of seven. I'd watch that each and every week. That'd be so fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. Ah, anyhow. Yeah, they won't. They won't because they don't like fun because Bruce Pritchard likes to talk on a fucking podcast with another obese bastard. Jesus. It's no Spanish announce table. It isn't. It's fucking, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Conrad, what else, man? Anything before we... Uh... Yeah, if Conrad Thompson's podcast were a thing, it would be a fucking baked potato. That's what his podcasts are. It's like, oh, it's substance. It gives me something I didn't expect, but it's a fucking boring ass, you know, plant. <laughs> I love it. Well, no, right, hey, AEW's great. Let's leave on a positive note because I felt like I just shit on everything at the end. <laughs> um, Oh, oh! Have you marinated on what's the what's your favorite pro wrestling oh, yeah. moment? Yeah, explain it as uh-huh. boring as possible. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, while you continue uh, to think about it, I'll share my. Oh no, I got it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, what, it's it's American hero lays his leg on coworker to join two outside personnel. American what now? So American hero uh, lays his leg on coworker, co-worker to join two outside personnel. Oh. The NWO, Hogan turns. Yeah. In. Yes. That's a great one. Yeah. I like that. Right. One. Yes. Um, that's a good one. You did way better than me. I like that. Good job. Uh, but yeah, next week, Fight for the Fallen. I'm excited. You have Cody uh, going back on that TNT open challenge. He's going to be taking on Sonny Kiss. Uh, you've got FTR versus the Lucha Bros. And then obviously in your main event, you've got John Moxley versus Brian Cage. Who's winning that? I think Moxley, even though I think the right move, honestly, would be Taz as the talking piece for the champion. Uh, I think they still want some grooming around Brian Cage, so I think Moxley keeps the belt, although not so Yeah, I think they've still got this idea that Moxley, you know, Moxley had a lot lightning in a bottle when he came over and because of his, you know, the podcast and the blowing them out and all that, but it, it kind of died off. And I don't know that they're going to capture that again unless he does something cool, but they're going to keep kind of running with it for a little bit, I think. So I think Moxley wins. And then what do you got with FTR and the Lucha Bros? FTR. 
FTR is winning everything until they face the Young Bucks, and then, you know, who knows. Okay. And then Cody retains over Sunny Kiss? Yeah, of course. All right. I agree with all those picks as well. So, all right, man. Well, if you if you don't have anything else, I don't either, and we can get out of here and talk to all the Spanish announce table faithful next week. The Spanish announce table. <laughs>